Go with me to Revelation 21. You say, where's Revelation 21? Just go to the, literally the back of the Bible, as long as you don't have some big concordance back there. And flip a couple pages over and you'll be right there at the end of the Bible. Now this is, this is one of these spots in the Bible that literally is the end of the story. We only have two more chapters right here, 21 and 22, and it's all over. Then the great amen is said at the very end. So the Bible begins with beginning and ends with an amen. And so we here are finding ourselves in Revelation 21. And this is where we've already heard part of this reading, but I'm going to I'm going to. go a little bit further than what we did in our lectionary reading. You know, speaking of our lectionary readings, we, we do in fact read from what's called the lectionary, which is just a series of readings based on the church calendar. And as you know at our church, we follow the church calendar. This is why we've got the, uh, the colors here of white that you can see during Easter because we're celebrating resurrection, right? And white is that color of purity and him coming back from the dead. And so we, uh, we, we are then moving toward, right now, we're only two Sundays more in Easter, and then the season of Pentecost. And then on that day, everything is going to be what color? Red, exactly, because of the fire of the Spirit descending down upon the 120 gathered there in the upper room. And from there, to all people of all nations, including our nation, including you people. So, uh, we are... We are we are fast approaching, uh, because summer always seems to speed up. I don't know about you or not, but it seems to. Even though the days are longer, they seem shorter at the same time in many ways. But we are moving toward Pentecost. What well, was neat uh, last Sunday, number one, to have my brother preaching, which, uh, which was really his first sermon uh, to ever preach. Um, now, you know, I knew he was solid, right? Uh, you know, theologically, he's solid, because uh, I've had to knock him upside the head a couple times to make sure. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's theological punches, you know what I mean? Not, not physical, not physical altercations, all right? But, but I knew he was solid, but man, he, uh, he brought a great word and, and he was led by the spirit in his, in his sermon. And I, I, I actually joined you guys on Facebook live as we were headed to church down at the beach, uh, apostles by the sea Anglican church. And so we were headed there and yet we were watching, uh, uh, doc as he, as he had the sermon. And so those of you on Facebook Live, we uh, hello for one. We we often don't recognize that you're there, but we know I know you're there because I'm kind of watching the stats on that. But um, anyway, but also it was neat to worship with a different community, a community that, like our own, did not exist. Uh, I think that well, before 2010, they did not exist. And they were a church plant just as we were. Now, we didn't have our first service until about 2010, as you may know, in our history. And so really, our church and their church got started about the same time. So it was neat to, to kind of find this, this church that didn't exist, that God called into existence. This community of people, this redeemed group right there by the sea. And of course, here we are in North Alabama, a called out community which is, by the way, what apostle means, which is why they're apostles by the sea. And, uh, and not only that, the preacher, the priest, he mentioned Lord of the Rings. So he was immediately, he was immediately up on my top ten, you know what I mean? 
Not only did he mention Lord of the Rings, but he gave me the quote that I will share with you later, maybe, uh, today, and, um, and reminded me of something that I had forgotten about, but that is very useful in our discussion of Revelation. Not only that, lastly, it was neat to see not only that community that had not been, that now was, but also to read the same readings way down there on the beach that you were reading here because that's what the lectionary readings do is unify the church in its seasonal readings and seasonal um, movements. So anyway, there are reasons we do these rhythms. And it's really neat. If If you're somewhere else, up in Michigan or wherever, you can go to a church that will have these exact readings being read all over the world in many different languages. And so, anyway, let's, let's turn here to Revelation 21. I want us to, to see something here today that I believe is for you. I believe it's for me. And I want to hear God speak. So help us, O oh Lord, to listen to you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with the fire and sulfur, which is the second death. O Lord, may the thoughts and words of my mouth be pleasing to you today, to your glory. And may our response to you be pleasing as we say, yes, Lord. Amen. Everything will work out in the end. But how, you might say, how is that? And that line is often thrown around, isn't it? It'll all work out in the end. It'll all come out in the wash, maybe is the southern way to say it, right? Well, what do we mean by that? I mean, I can't imagine that the feeling that I have when I'm overcome with anxiety can be gone. This addiction 
that I've lived with for so long that I think it's a part of me, how can that be gone? How can that work out okay? This abuse that happened to me, this abuse that I did, how can that be undone? This scar, this deformity, this evil done to me, what do you mean everything will work out in the end? Well, everything will work out in the end. But how? I'm glad you asked. Because this scene here in Revelation is again, if you notice, and if you've been keeping up in our series, is again a picture of the throne room. So you remember in chapter 1, John is on exiled to the Isle of Patmos and sees Jesus. A glorified Jesus, I might add. Not one where he's just like, hey bro, what's up? Instead, he hits his face as if he's dead in worship. And only when Jesus touches him does he come back to life, so to speak. And then in chapter 2 and 3, we get the letters to the churches. You remember that. Seven letters, in fact. And there's a lot of sevens throughout the Bible because that is the perfect number because that is a complete week. And the seventh day is the day of rest. And so it is the seven number that is perfect. Because who doesn't like to rest, right? I had some rest this week, by the way, and it was super nice. It's nice to have to not live by a calendar every single day, you know? Like that calendar tells me what I'm doing, and I don't like that sometimes, you know? It's nice to rest, isn't it? And the seventh day for us is an eternal rest. That's why it's the perfect number. And then in four and five, of course, we get the first time that we really see this throne room, but it's really not the first time because Ezekiel has talked about it. Not only that, Isaiah has seen a bit of this throne room sovereign scene where God is the king of kings. Not only them two prophets, those two prophets, those two seers that see things, S-E-E-R, seer, but instead Daniel, who maybe is the most apocalyptic seer within the Old Testament. And he sees this throne room as well. He calls him the Ancient of Days, who we just sang about. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's kind of like when I read it, it's almost like Transformers. Because the scene unfolds and starts kind of coming together. And there's a throne room that emerges. And then the Ancient of Days comes in with a book and sits down as if he's in charge. Because quite frankly, he is. And we get a beautiful picture of the throne room. And so 4 and 5, 4 focuses on the one who is seated. And 5 of Revelation focuses on the Lamb who is at the right hand of the one who is seated. And of course, the sevenfold spirit is there as well. So you have all there at the throne, the Father seated, the Son seated again in power at the Father's right hand and the sevenfold spirit going out into all of creation, including, and thankfully, but not finally, to us, to bring us to God, and which is the Holy Spirit's job, which, well, let's put it this way, he has a lot of jobs, actually, 
We're going to look more at the Spirit when we get to the season of Pentecost. But one of his main jobs is to bring us to God, to that safely, to that heavenly shore. And so we've been stuck here, really, at this throne room scene. And in chapter 6 and 7, where you guys were last week, what happens is John begins to cry because no one can open the book and there are seven seals. Not seals like what you would find at the beach. You know, those kind. But instead, the seals that, like what they used to use signet rings for, and they would smash into wax, and you have to peel them back, and once you do, everybody knows you've already opened it, and it's undone. If you guys would bring up the picture, I want to show you something that that is really a a blown-up picture of what's on our candle here. And I just had to laugh because I didn't even realize this was on our candle. Uh, You know, uh, I just somehow didn't observe that, Frank, forgive me. And I got here today and I just laughed and I said, thank you, Lord, because, because this, is the, this is the picture roughly that's on this. It's a little different. This is actually one that looks identical to one that's at uh, St. Peter's um, uh, in, in Missouri, actually, not St. Peter's Basilica. And so notice this picture here. You have a lamb. And, of course, we've already seen the lamb on the throne here with God. And you also have here, he is seated this lamb is, and also it kind of, if you've read the Old Testament at all, this kind of brings up the whole slaughter thing of the lamb, but not only that, the lamb is holding a banner, and this banner represents victory, but not only that, notice it has a cross on it, and of course this one does, so you can come up here and look at it afterward, but it's a banner that is in the shape of a cross, because he did embrace the cross for us, not only that, The lamb is on a book, and this book represents a scroll, which would be the equivalent of for us of of what a scroll would do. And you can count them there. There are seven seals that are there. And so last week, one seal, pop, two, three, four, five, six, and there's a pause, right? And in that little doxology, that angelic doxology that you guys did at the very end, that's right there at that scene. Then you get the seventh seal that pops. Then you get seven bowls and all this other kind of stuff that happens. And now, finally, we come down to the very end. This is literally the last vision that John's going to get. So this is, he's, the, the vision's closing up, about to close up shop. The Bible's about to end, so to speak. And he's told to write this down. You just heard that. And the first thing he sees, again, he's seeing this stuff in the future. Which is kind of, you know, I got to thinking last week. It's kind of really cool because I knew, I knew what, the whole passage and all. That you guys were, were covering. It's like, he saw us. That great multitude? I pray you were there. I pray I was, am there. <laughs> and you know what? We will be so long as we stay faithful and conquerors in his name. But John literally saw us. Can you imagine that? That scene? How beautiful of us. He saw the saints that have gone before us. The ones that we have stood on their shoulders. The ones that have passed things down to us that we still do today. This is why we don't throw away the tradition of the church. We try to mix it and make it contemporary today. Because it has been passed down to us by our brothers and sisters. The first thing he sees is a new heaven and a new earth. And this is... Well, 
new. It's not the same one. And this is important. It is a notice new, not just heaven. Which is fascinating that the heaven that is now will also be done away with. And there will be a new one. But also the earth that we are here on now will be done away with. It will pass away. And there will be a new one. That's why I was just sharing with the kids. If we think things now are awesome, when we see, for instance... Well, last night I watched as the moon rose up in full power, and it was a absolutely beautiful sight. I mean, I was sitting outside. It was perfect temperature. I mean, I couldn't have adjusted it more myself. And as it rose above my trees that are in my backyard, I, it was, I just got a feeling of glory. And then this morning, watching the sun peak up and rise is a beautiful thing. Any, seeing the ocean, I mean, you ever thought about it? We just, we travel down there to go to the ocean just to look at the thing. Because it's amazing. It's like, wow, that's a big body of water. Yep, sure is. Well, let's pay, you know, some money to stay down there a week. And it's like, yeah. Or you go up to the mountains. What are you doing? You're just looking at it? Why? Because it's absolutely glorious. It's, it's, it's kind of the most glorious thing. I mean, That kind of body of water makes us think, wow, that's huge. Not one wave is like another. Not one snowflake is like another. Not one mountain peak is like another. Absolute beauty. And if you've ever had just that moment, whatever that that space in your life is that you you get just a feeling, I'm saying that is a signal from heaven. It's a signal from heaven. From heaven saying, you think that's glorious, buddy. I got something amazing in store for the new heaven and the new earth. You see, if our understanding of heaven is not physical, then we misunderstand the ultimate heaven that we were created for. It is not just a place where we're spiritually on a cloud, ephemeralia, ephemerally, ephemeral, you know, like barely seeing, playing harps that, that are ghost-like. That's not heaven, friend. Heaven's going to be a lot like this except more awesome. And that's a weak way to say it. So if we think things here are amazing, he just says to us, just wait. Just wait. I've got something so great in store for you. I heard one Philosophers speak of it, Peter Crave, like this. It's like being in utero, being in the womb. And, of course, all of you were, were there. Um, you may not remember it, and thankfully, you know, we don't. But we are told, and we know scientifically now, and, you know, people have known this for thousands of years, but for whatever reason, uh, we have to now prove it scientifically. And so it has been proven scientifically. Babies can see. They can hear. That's why we talk to them, right? How you doing, little buddy? (laughs) Little lady? Whoever's in there, they can feel pain. They can react to things. It's a wonderful thing. And you know what? You can just imagine. He says, just imagine being a baby in the womb. And that's all you know, of course. Just like this is all that we know of this world. And we think, man, this this is a big place. I've got plenty of room in here. 
And I've got everything I need. I'm being fed. I've got mama's voice and daddy's voice. I see light and darkness. I've got everything I need. But what about these lungs? What are these things for? Bringing in a little C.S. Lewis here. Lewis says, if you have some desires that you find in you that are not satisfied in this world, maybe you are made for a different world. Why do we have lungs? Why do we want to fly? Why do we want love? Why do we want peace? I mean real peace. The kind of peace that there is no anxiety. Can you imagine that kind of world? A lot of us can't. A lot of us can't see past the darkness around us. Many of us carry scars that we look at and prevent us from looking up and beyond our situation. You know, people are hurting. I hope you know that. People around us are hurting. I mean, some of them are very close to us, and we don't see it. And Maybe sometimes it's not even our fault because we do what our first parents do, don't we? When we're hurting, what do we do? We hide. You know, I've got a scar right here from cutting wood, and you've heard the story before. But I was cutting wood, and I had a piece of gum wood, popped the back of the thing, it popped out. It was a splitting axe, it was about 12 pounds, went down on my thumb. What was the first thing I did? I hid that thing. When you get a wound, you notice. It's, you draw back. And you know what? When we get wounded relationally, spiritually, I mean stuff that you can't see. Stuff that other people can't see. Maybe stuff that people don't even know. What is the first thing? We, we draw back. We go hide. No, I'm not going to show you that. I've already been hurt once. Let me see the thumb. <laughs> My dad literally had to scream at me at the kitchen sink. Show me your thumb, you know. <laughs> I thought it was gone. I thought it was all, I thought I was holding it, you know. Only when I had revealed it to him did he say, it's still attached. It's just going to need some stitches, buddy, you know. But it's hard to confess, isn't it? Especially when we're deeply wounded. I got good news. There's a healer. There's a great physician. And he's ready to heal. And the way he does it is through other people. And you may not like that. I mean, I don't always like that, okay? <laughs> When some people speak into my life things and have in the past, I, it's, it's not like, hey, you know what? Thank you for correcting me. I, man, I, would you do that more often? Now, if you're that holy, then, hey, I, I want to shake your hand after the service. You know what I mean? Most of us, most of us, we may not say anything. And I'm so glad I don't, I can't read minds. You know what I mean? Aren't you glad you can't read minds? Because sometimes we just don't need to know what other people are thinking because it's really dumb, you know? And, uh, and sometimes you don't need to know what I'm thinking because it's just really dumb. And, and I think that's a, a grace that we don't really talk about a lot, isn't it? It's a grace that God gives us 
that we don't get to know what each other's thinking because I think it's that space between where we do something really dumb or really smart, you know? And that's where the Holy Spirit wants to work, isn't it? Holy Spirit wants to come into that space of our minds. That's why the Bible calls us to allow the Spirit of God to renew our minds. Each of us needs some work. Each of us need to be renewed in our minds. And what I'm saying, this vision that John's getting helps us to renew our thoughts because we can get so focused on this world and the troubles of this world and the darkness of this world, the anxiety of this world, the sorrowfulness of this world that we never look up, we never see the vision that is right here at the end. You want to know what the end is like? The end is good, friend. Everything works out Good in the end. It really does. The end is not this life though, my brother, my sister. That's why some prayers go unanswered. Because this life's not the answer. Rather, there's another world. Haven't you heard? There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. And you know what? Even those who have gone on to heaven now, they're going to get to experience this new place with us because that's not their eternal place either. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and we're going to experience that together. John says this, I also saw that there was no more sea. Now, you know, I was at the beach and, and this, this, this was the dominant, like I had read this passage at the beginning of the week. I thought, I'm sitting there looking at this beautiful ocean like, no more sea, man, that's going to be God, I mean, this is like our favorite place to go, you know, to retreat and to, to hang out and do nothing, a whole lot of nothing. I just watch the waves. I mean, that's basically, you don't know what I do at the bed. Watch the waves. I really do. Never gets boring. It's like watching a fire. You know, that's, that's what it really, like you ever notice, if you do a fire at a campfire, everybody just, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. It's just so, that's so good. That's just, that's just great, you know. It's like everybody's just looking at the fire. Isn't it interesting, water and fire. Isn't that interesting? These are symbols of our faith. New life and new life in the Spirit. Set a fire down in my soul. We're going to sing it here in a minute. I hope you mean it when you sing it. Lord, set a fire down in my soul. A fire for this new heaven and new earth. You know what? We can be on fire about that. It's not true that you can be too heavenly minded to be no earthly good. That's not true. That's not true. We should be heavenly minded. If you've been hurt, if you're hurting now, if you're anxious, if you're addicted, if you're dot, 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 you place it in there. We should be heavenly minded. He wants to begin his renewal, his great reversal in you in us, this community that was not, that He called into existence, that we're a part of here at Harvest Point. This is His church. This is His, if you will, forward operating base. FOB, right? Everybody likes acronyms up here in Huntsville, you know. The Lamb. He is God. The Lamb slain. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And He wants to begin in you. 
He wants to begin in me. I pray that his work has begun in us. He hears a loud voice, and this voice tells him, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. In other words, just, just, just try to grasp this with me, because this is tough for me to understand as well. Help me out by your amens or your nods. God wants to dwell with us. You know what? I don't even want to dwell with me sometimes. I'm serious. I get tired of me. Do you? Uh, oh. See I, see, I set you up for that one, right? That was a setup. I was like, when I played some beach volleyball, I had one good setup, and that was it right there. No, it's true, though, isn't it? Look, your best friend, the cl- person closest to you, the time's going to run out when, when hey, I think I've had enough of you. <laughs> but also of yourself, right? That's why the Bible calls us to love ourselves. Did you know that? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? It's hard to, it's hard to love Marshall Dagg. It really is. It's just, ask this lady over here who's been loving me for, well, this month, 15 years. This month, 15 years. All applause goes on her end. <clears throat> she has been the grace of God to me over and over again, and the voice of God to me, and her love for me has been agape love, which is to say, when I have failed, her love remains steadfast. And, and that's a testament of God's kind of love. It really is. He hears this voice, and it says, God wants to dwell with us. He wants to. That's where he wants to make his home. You say, heaven is our home. If we want to get real technical... God brings heaven down to where we are because he wants to live with us. You see, the theology here in chapter 21 tells us that right now we create a place for people to come and worship because that's kind of how it works, right? We have a place and then people come. But in this new heaven, this new earth, wherever the people are, that's the place. We are the community of God. It's always been the people and not the building. And you know that here at Harvest Point because, well, we just got our first building December 20 of last year. So we're, we're new to this thing. But we've been a people that are a redeemed community. But now it's time to invite others in, isn't it? It's high time for us to go out and be heralds of his gospel of the good news that there is another world. If you don't like this world, we feel that. That's what we want to say at Harvard. You don't like this world? If it's mistreated you, we feel that. We know that. And you know what? The reason we don't like it, and we don't have to always like it, is because we were created for more than this. Things right now are not the way they're supposed to be. People shouldn't have to get old and have to die. And I've watched people very close to me deteriorate physically like that. And it's tough. It's tough when you see a grown man that has been just a pillar in our family become a baby again. 
as my grandmother said, you know, he's, my papa has Alzheimer's very badly. Once a man, twice a child. And it's so true. So true. Here she is and her children taking care of this grown. And it's like, you know what? That's, that shouldn't be the way it is. That's, that's, something's not right about that disease. Deformities. That's not right. Cancer. That's not right. Accidents that take life. That's not right. Divorce. Not right. Broken families. Not right. Cheating. Not right. Evil. Sin. It's not right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. But thanks be to God, we're some of the only people in the world that actually believe in a cure. I'm telling you, I've studied the world's wisdom. I'm no expert. I'm an amateur. But I've looked at all of them, and none of them, listen to me very carefully here, none of them, and I was actually lecturing at the beach, by the way. Every single day I met somebody, and we had this long theological discussion that I didn't even intend to have right there on the beach. But I'm telling you the truth. We are the only group of people that actually believe in a cure that doesn't just get us out of the world. Most religions, they can get you out of the world, but not into a new one. Not into a new body. No, they discard the body forever. Not Christianity, friend. If you like shaking hands with people and that embrace, listen, we're headed there. We're headed there in all purity. And just like that scene that I described earlier, that baby is not meant to stay in the womb, right? Any mom who's delivered knows when it gets nine months, that baby needs to come out. Right now, right? (laughs) And you know what? Some of what we're experiencing, friend, when we feel pain and suffering and mourning and crying are the birth pangs of new life. And you know what? Somehow it's possible, and I'm not a a lady, so I can't speak directly to this. Somehow it's possible to go through that entire process, which is crazy, by the way. (laughs) Crazy. And say, that was wonderful. And you know what? The last sentences of your life have not been written yet. You're still here. His story is still being written for you. That means we all have time to do the right thing. The story's not over, brother, sister. He can make something beautiful out of any mess that we have gotten ourselves into or that someone else has placed us in. Do you believe that? I need to know that you believe that because I believe that and it's what we believe as a group and it's not some fairy tale. It's reality because of the Lamb that has been slain and has suffered and died in our place. Notice there's only two ends. One is to be a conqueror. The second is to be a coward. That's his language.
If you're a coward, it leads to a second death. You see, as Christians, we're going to die. We're going to die. It's going to happen to each and every one of us. But you know what? We don't have to die a second time. The second death is the lake of fire. Some people say, well, I don't know that I really believe in hell because, you know, Revelation, where it talks about hell, is metaphorical. Sulfur, burning, darkness, so on and so forth. Well, you're right. It is metaphorical, but metaphors point to something, right? So even if hell is not like some open flame, like a barbecue, or some shutting the door, like darkness, is something far worse. Have you ever been in deep darkness? Like darkness where you go into a deep cave, like we did over North Alabama, and then they shut off the little lights that they have? I mean, dark. Something far worse. No more sea. That doesn't mean the beautiful ocean. No more sea means no more beast coming out of the water to devour. You remember, the sea has a long history of needing to be tamed. It's found in Genesis 1-2. The spirit hovering over the deep. And for ancient peoples, the sea was the one thing that could not be predicted. They didn't know really what was down deep in there. And I'll tell you, as I'm paddleboarding, I go into the deep end, I kind of start moving back, you know, to the shallow end. I don't know what's down there. I mean, I've read about what's down there, but I don't want to know. You know what? No more sea. No more beast coming up in our lives, around us, to devour us. He does away with it. And it's a new heaven and a new earth that he invites us into because he's on the throne. Because he is the conqueror. He's got the banner to prove it. And he's waving that banner. And as a church, that's exactly what we're doing is waving the banner of victory. Because he's already won. Did you hear? This is only the second time where God speaks in Revelation. Just two times. One in chapter 1, now and in 21. And what he says is, it is done. It's already over. I've already won. Now he's wanting to write a beautiful story with your life. Would you let him do that? Don't be a coward, friend, and try to take the story and the pen into your own hands. Allow his hand to come alongside ours to guide us and direct us in our movements. If that's the way you live life, praise be to God. Find somebody else and help them live that way. Come alongside them, just as the Spirit of God has come alongside you. He says, I make all things new. I can't comprehend all that. But it sure sounds pretty good to me, doesn't it to you? Count me in, Jesus. Already we're experiencing the birth pangs, Paul says in Romans. Even creation experiences, experiences this. If you're suffering today, if you're right in the middle of the storm, if you're in the deep end and you're drowning, barely keeping your head above the water, this message is for you. If you're mourning, 
if you have crying in your life, if you have these spots of anxiety, this message is for you because all of that is going to be done away with. Praise be to God. All of that will be done away with. There will be no more death. It's the end of it. We can be, as the scripture says we can be, more than conquerors. Have you heard his voice today? He's ready. He's seated. and He is in power. Go to him. Speak to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.